This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Scott Branson with you and my broadcast partner, Mr. Mo Moten. Mo, here we are, training camp. Veterans reported on Wednesday. So we're getting started. No uh, surprises so far as far as guys showing up for camp. No surprises. A little bit of a freak out about the pup list, which we'll get into today, but it's good to see everyone back together, except for Dallin Levitt, of course, who was let go. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, good to see, for the most part, attendance is good, and the Raiders are ready to start their journey for a Super Bowl. That's right. It all gets started this week, as we've been talking about. And just a rundown of what Mo and I are going to talk about on this show as I come to you from Las Vegas, where I've been at the Red Rock Resort all week. Uh, that is a position breakdown. Again, wide receiver. We're going to go through that. By the way, the Raiders did sign a wide receiver, a practice squad guy, basically, Isaiah Zuber. But the story is he spent time with San Francisco with Cleveland and the Jets, but he was an undrafted free agent by the Patriots back in 2020. So there you go. There's the connection. We're also, even though we're focusing on wide receivers, we're also going to talk tight ends uh, because there are receivers. We all know about Waller, but what does Foster Moreau do this season? Does he finally live up to kind of the expectations uh, and the potential that he's had, especially in Josh McDaniel's uh, system. So we're going to go through that. Mo, a couple bits of news off the top, and this is an interesting one. It's kind of more of a business story. But as you remember, when the Raiders were getting set to move to Las Vegas a couple years ago, we heard a lot about Las Vegas being a small market. What is this team going to do? Then we had the COVID year with no fans. Then we had last year where, let's face it, early on in the season, a lot of Raider fans – uh, didn't show tickets were sold to visiting fans. Uh, Raider nation got worried, but we find out this week from Sportico, the Raiders ranked number one in the NFL in net ticket revenue generated last year with $119 million for games held at Allegiant. Uh, that does not include luxury boxes. So if you think that includes luxury, it does not Mo, you have the Raiders, then San Francisco, new England, and then the Rams and giants and Dallas as the top six. The bottom teams, Arizona, 
Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Washington, Detroit. No surprise there. But this is a big deal. And I think that the idea that the move from Las Vegas, as painful as it may have been for Bay Area fans, from a business standpoint and for the longevity and the structure of this team to build a winner, it shows up right there with the ticket sales. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Raiders were number one in revenue, 25th in tickets sold. But that goes to show that people are paying for the expensive tickets because that was the complaint last year that, you know, the, the expense there, a lot of people just couldn't afford it. I expect the number to be, the as far as the attendance, the average attendance number to be a lot higher because there was a mandate at Legion Stadium. So if you weren't vaccinated, you weren't allowed in. Uh, this year, it's different. So I, I, I feel like the attendance should be a lot, I should say, steady. Uh, because there was a concern about a no sh an average no show rate. Let let's be honest about that. But again, I think I think the number will will go up this year, especially yeah, with the team, especially with the direction of the team. Yes, and um, it's funny too because the Raiders, for those of you who doubt this, clearly any revenue you bring in is part of the problem in Oakland. The Raiders could not generate revenue from not only ticket sales but from corporate sponsorships, which they've done an amazing job here in Las Vegas. Also, though, they have they they were not able to sell suites like they are. But if you look at the Raiders, the Raiders made one hundred and nineteen million dollars despite the third smallest capacity. Yes, Allegiant Stadium is beautiful as it is. It's the third smallest capacity in the league at sixty five thousand. And as you said, twenty five uh, in ticket sales, uh, the 49ers right behind the Raiders with one hundred and seventeen million, as I mentioned. And. These numbers are important, according to Yahoo Sports, because 40% of the team's ticket revenue is put into a shared pool with the rest of franchises to split amongst the clubs. So that number reached about $20 million per team. So that, that figure gets shared and goes into that bigger pot. Uh, and so the Raiders clearly doing well with that. But, but it just goes to show, I think, from a business standpoint, you know, on the field, that's what we talk about 99% of the time here, Mo, is the football. But off the field, though, Sands the front office drama, which hopefully has been rectified now. Uh, this team is in really good financial shape. Yeah, definitely. So Mark Davis does have some business acumen. A lot of people <laughs> make fun of him. So I guess he he didn't make the right rule financially. So kudos yeah. to him. Uh, other news, of course, you mentioned it. You teased it, as they say in the business, Mr. Moten. Uh, the pup list, the, the physically unable to perform list, was released this week. On that list, Jonathan Hankins. Trayvon Mullen, we'll get to him in a second. Bilal Nichols, uh, all on that list as well. And Mo, we talked in our uh, position breakdown last week for cornerback about the worry with Trayvon Mullen and the foot surgery he had in the offseason. There's some folks out there, including some journalists, saying, oh, he'll be fine, no worries. But I'll tell you what, I, that worries me. I knew that he wouldn't be 100% to start camp, clearly. But the fact that he may not be there for a while with the new system and all that, that's got to be a big concern for the Raiders. Yeah, Vic Taper of The Athletic, shout out to him, dropped a nugget in a recent piece he wrote. He said, of the three guys on the pup list, Bilal Nichols, Jonathan Hankins, and Trayvon Mullen, the team is most concerned about Mullen, obviously, because he's coming off of a surgery. Uh, Hankins and Bilal Nichols, their injuries are haven't been disclosed, but we all know that Mullen had a, had a foot-toe issue last year, only played, I believe, five games, has a procedure done in May, he kind of downplayed it on Twitter, said he had successful surgery. He's going to bounce back stronger than ever. A lot of players say that after surgery. But it's a wait-and-see approach. And I think him being out is a concern, but it also creates opportunities for guys like Amik Robinson to hang on to a, a back-end roster spot. 
and especially Rocky Hassan and Anthony Avery, who I think would have been battling for that cornerback two spot. But who knows? Maybe they both get on the field if Mullen isn't ready for week one. Yeah, but Mo, I'll tell you though, I get more and more, and maybe, you know, I'm not I'm not overplaying the news here. But, man, I'm getting really concerned because as we addressed during last week's uh, position breakdown with cornerbacks, this unit is just really young. It's unproven. It's got some guys that really need to step up. This could end up being like we talked about last year at this time. We talked about the weakness of the offensive line. This could be the one key issue that could hurt the Raiders significantly if somebody doesn't step up like you just said. Yeah, a lot of focus on the offensive line for good reason because outside of the wood is the guy to look at as a first-round pick last year. But I think the secondary is the second biggest concern on that roster. Number one, as you mentioned earlier in the show, new philosophy with Patrick Graham coming in. And then you have some unsettled spots. Is Jonathan Abram going to be a starter at safety? Will Deron Harmon take his job? And now we have Trayvon Mullen with this injury. Who knows when he'll be back? They bring in Rocky Sin, who has some inconsistencies in Indianapolis. Is he going to start? Is it Anthony Avery, who could be a late bloomer? He only has one full year as a starter, though. So there's a lot of questions in the secondary. And when you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson, you have to get your secondary straightened out. Yes, and uh, you know, that's where I, th- I would expect the Raiders, mm-hmm. with, with him on the pup list and them uncertain, and sort of, the like you said, in Vic's piece on the athletic, they're really concerned with that. I would expect them to go out and sign somebody, at least a body. Uh, but who would you think who's out there? Maybe not a big name, but somebody that you think would be available uh, that could fit in there and come in and compete. Should Trayvon Mullen just not be ready to go? Yeah. I mentioned him on a previous show. Janoris Jenkins is the guy I would circle and look at not to say that he is what he was five, six years ago, but just to get a body, a capable serviceable starter in there. Someone who who's experienced that at, matching up against starting receivers. You want a guy in there who can kind of warm the seat until Trayvon Mullen gets back. No doubt about it. And of course you mentioned uh, Bilal Nichols. That was the other one that surprised me a little bit. Hopefully he's just banged up. And and I had to even text you Mo, because I was like, Puppless, that means they have to sit out six games, but that's not just to clear up for the fans out there. That's not until the actual season starts. Once you get to week one, the, the six week pup list rule is in a play is an application, right? That's correct. So players on the pup list now can come off at any time. They may be on a pup list for a day and maybe two weeks. So I would just wait and see. I'm not, again, I'm not too concerned about Hankins and Blalink because I haven't heard too much about um, them dealing with issues or injuries. Trayvon Mullen is the guy that I'm monitoring right now. Yeah. And we, we heard from uh, some of the Raiders, including Max uh, Crosby, Hunter Renfro, and of course, Josh McDaniels yesterday, you know, typical camp stuff, uh, but you definitely get the sense, you know, Max Crosby talked about uh, being uh, training MMA, doing some boxing. Um, and we, we last show with Jesse Merrick talked about that vibe around the Raiders facility and the way that they're doing business, Mo. And again, you kind of see it again, and that's got to be really encouraging for fans. But also that word, you talked about it, I think, four or five times last show, Mo, and that is focus. Focus. But there's one thing that Denzel Perryman said that stuck out to me. And he and they, I think they believe, I believe they asked him about Patrick Graham and the scheme. And he said it's a learning curve. You know, he talked about, you know, he, he was un- unexpectedly traded to the Raiders from the Carolina Panthers last year, had his best season as a pro bowler. Uh, they asked him about his contract, said, I'm not going to talk about that right now. My agent is going to handle that. But he did say it's a learning curve getting a new defensive coordinator. So my my thing will be, how long will it take for these players to take into Patrick Graham and what he's got? Because as, as I mentioned in a previous show, Patrick Graham can be a bit complex with his schemes because he wants to use very fronts and sub packages and things of that nature. So 
how this, those players take to his scheme, his philosophy. Yeah, and as you mentioned, when we broke down the defense, uh, the defensive line as well in a previous edition of Silver and Black today was the fact that uh, it's not like you go back to Paul Gunther with the sheer number of plays. In this case, it's just more the complexity and the fluidity, correct? Yes, and one thing I want to point out about Patrick Graham, not to alarm fans that are listening to me about the complexity of the scheme, he is willing to listen to his players because that's one thing that Logan Ryan pointed out. Logan Ryan is now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but that's one of the things. When the Giants' defense struggled last year, he said Patrick Graham was able to talk to his players and get their input and basically help him along. You know, what's best for you? What can I do to make it better for you? How can I help you put you in a position to succeed? And I think him listening to his players is going to be big as the players learn his philosophy and his system. All right, we're going to step aside for a moment here and hear from our sponsors as well. Also, do us a favor, if you would, please go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it, whether you're getting it on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get it. The Odyssey app itself is phenomenal. If you want to listen to the best sports there is, make sure you do that, including podcasts like ours. We're an Odyssey original podcast. Go do that. Subscribe. Also, drop us a five-star review. We certainly appreciate that as well. When Mo and I come back, we're going to dive in into wide receivers. We're going to break down the wide receiver position for the Raiders and talk about the strengths, weaknesses, and who we see steps up into other roles besides wide receiver one. Uh, and we'll talk through that as well. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. We're right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Silver and Black today. Mo Moten, Scott Branson. We are your guides through the map of Raider Nation. And, of course, as we enter camp, the veterans showed up. The rookies are there. They're ready to go. And we are, too. And today, we continue our training camp position breakdown. And that, today, we turn to the role of wide receiver. And apparently, Mo, uh, the Raiders traded for and got some pretty good wide receiver. I think he wears number 17, Devontae Adams. It's really interesting. We're just going to start with him, and then we'll dive into some of the question marks we have around other players on this Raiders team playing the wideout role. But Devontae Adams, there's we you mentioned several times, I should say, that, look, you can't expect him to have as many receptions as he had in Green Bay where he was the primary target. Now on the Raiders, you have Darren Wall, you have Hunter Renfro, and some of the other guys we'll get into. I'm starting to see national media, actually, and it's really surprising to me, talk about how Devontae Adams just won't do as well as he did in Green Bay with the Raiders. Is that something we can dispel, or is that just natural progression because he played with a future Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? 
let's call it for what it is. The media doesn't give Derek Carr as much respect as Aaron Rodgers. And you would understand that Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is one of the top quarterbacks in this league. So when you look at it going from Rodgers to Carr, they're going to expect a drop off because of the quality of the quarterback. But I will say they're right for the wrong reasons. I'm not saying that Devontae Adams won't do as well because Derek Carr isn't just that good, isn't that good. I'm saying that because, as I said in a previous show, he didn't have a number two guy, a pass catcher behind him in Green Bay, as he will in Las Vegas. In Green Bay, uh, it was De- it was Devontae Adams or, or Bust in the passing game. In Las Vegas, he's going to have to share targets with Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Those two guys can take over a football game. I think the Raiders' rushing attack will be a lot better. So it is not, it's not going to be all about Devontae in the passing game or just that offense. They're gonna, Derek Carr is going to spread the ball around as he's done. Devontae will be the top target. But again, he's going to have to share a lot of that with his with his teammates. Yeah, no doubt. Obviously, more bodies there and some talented uh, players as well. And we're going to get into the players, but I want to start at the very top, Mo, and that is with the overall wide receiver room. Of course, we talk about Devontae Adams, and we and everybody loves Hunter Renfro, uh, the goat, as he is known, of course, in these parts. But when you look at that room and you and the totality of it, what's the strengths and the weaknesses? When it comes to uh, the positions they need to fill from, you got wide receiver one, you got Hunter in the slot, but then at at wide receiver two and three, it's kind of a toss up with some veterans and some younger guys. What's the strengths and weaknesses? Well, I think it's very simple. The the strength is very clear, the route running. Between Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams, those two guys are going to put on a clinic. Watch Devontae Adams get off of the line of scrimmage. That's how he frees himself. He doesn't do it with speed. Of course, he's a bigger wide receiver. But he's really good at getting off at off the line of scrimmage. His release is great. That's what opens him up downfield. Hunter Renfro, as we all know, he'll put a defender in a blender. So those two guys, <laughs> those two guys are gonna break some ankles. The weakness is the Raiders don't have that speed guy. And I think that that guy is probably gonna be in the back end of the roster. Um Tyron Johnson's a guy I look at to get the maybe the wide receiver five or six spot, brings a lot of vertical speed. The Raiders don't have the speed, but they have the route running to make up for it. Yeah, no, those are those are some some concerns that I have as well. And then you look to um, uh, some of the veterans. I mean, you talked about uh, in previous shows, De- Demarcus Robinson comes over uh, and he's got some skill set, you know, uh, what he did in Kansas City. But how does he fit into this offense? What can we expect from him? He's on the depth chart right now at, at wide receiver, too. And I think that's because he is the veteran and they went out and signed him. But is this a guy that you think will contribute or is it sort of an unknown with where he's at in his career? It's a bit of an unknown. I originally had him as being the third wide receiver and three wide receiver sets, but I think that's going to be actually be Keelan, Keelan Cole because he's more of a big play receiver than Demarcus Robinson is. Demarcus Robinson, if Raiders fans remember him, he torched the Raiders defense in 2019 in week two. I believe six catches for 170-something yards and two touchdowns. But that, that was an anomaly. Uh, it's not, again, not a big play receiver. He can move the chains. But not explosive, doesn't stand out in any particular way. And that's why I think he'll be wide receiver four or five. I think he could make the roster. I wouldn't be surprised if he's cut. But I, I think he he falls behind Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Keegan Cole. What about Max Hollins, another guy uh, that they brought in? Special teams guy with the Dolphins. He did have four touchdown grabs last year with the team. He's a bigger bite. I believe he's about 6'4", 221. I think he'll be a factor in the red zone. When Derek Hart doesn't go to uh, Devonta Adams, he can go to Mac Hollins. He will kind of remind his role will kind of remind me of an Andre Holmes. The Raider fans remember Andre Holmes, bigger receiver that you look for inside the twenty yard line. 
Okay, so let's let's dive into the slot machine a little bit. So Hunter Renfro, of course, uh, just had had a phenomenal year last year. But just like you were talking about with Devonta Adams coming over from Green Bay, Hunter Renfro shouldn't have to catch as many balls. His role will change a little bit. Of course, in Josh McDaniel's system, that slot receiver uh, is an important one. But I would expect his receptions to go down. What do you what do you think is going to be a challenge for him? Uh, is it going to be just the lack of that? Now, I, we all know he's an unselfish player. He wants to win. He doesn't care if he gets one catch or 100 catches. Uh, but what about Hunter Renfro should fans maybe think about this year? Because I think they're going to look for him to to catch a bunch of touchdowns, catch a bunch of balls, and that's not necessarily going to be his role. Yeah, I want Raiders fans to listen to me carefully on this one because I'm, I'm not, I don't want to make it seem like I'm doubting Hunter Renfro. But a lot of people are assuming he's going to go off because they look at Julian Edelman. And they say, well, look, he's going to have the Julian Edelman role. He's going to go off for 1,200 yards. You know, he's going to be that guy in the offense. And I'll say pump the brakes, as you just said. Remember, the Patriots didn't have what the Raiders have right now. They got a number one in Devontae Adams, and they have one of the top pass-catching tight ends in Darren Waller. So he's – and sometimes he's going to be the third option. So I don't see a 1,000-yard season from Hunter Renfro. He's going to be productive. I'll give him maybe eight, 900 yards. Uh, he'll, he'll get some touchdowns. He's still going to be third in Renfro. Derek Carr will still look for him on third downs and in critical situations. But to but to think he's going to rack up all of these yards because Julian Edelman did it in the slot, it's kind of, I would say it's fool's goal because Darren Waller and, and Devontae Adams, between those two guys, those guys can get 10 targets in the game, 10, 12, maybe 14 targets in the game. They both take over an offense. So Hunter Renfro will still be effective, but I, I just don't expect his numbers to go up as a lot of people think it will. So, Mo, let me ask you this question. If Keelan Cole or one of the other players, Tyron Johnson, who you talked about liking, if one of those guys really doesn't step up significantly into the wide receiver three role, uh, what do you do there? What What do the Raiders do? Because that's been an issue. They've, they've, they've lacked depth at that position. Now, of course, yeah, I know you have Devontae Adams and you have Hunter Renfro, but you still need that other guy. What do they do in that case? We're going to get into this further later in the show, but that's when you incorporate Foster Moreau. That's when you incorporate your pass catching running backs, Brandon Bowling and Kenyon Drake. I think Kenyon Drake, great at catching the ball out of the backfield. I think he'll be involved as a pass catcher a lot in this offense. So if your top two guys aren't hitting or if guys are injured, maybe your top two guys are nicked up a bit, then you turn to your backup tight end. You turn to your running backs to catch out of the backfield. And I think that, that's, the, that's the secret to the Raiders offense, that they, they can attack you in so many ways. They don't have to go to Devontae Adams. They don't have to go to Hunter Renfro. They can get, to the, get it to their running backs. They can get it to their backup tight end. Jacob Hollister, I think, is a name that people should talk about a lot more because he had a couple of productive years in Seattle. So watch out for him as well. Yeah, and we're going to get into the tight ends a little more in uh, in the next part of the show after the next break. But, Mo, here's the other question. I know we've mentioned it a few times over the last few weeks here on Silver and Black today, and that is you have all of these players, including Devontae Adams. I don't care if him and Derek Carr – uh, you know, are, are living next to each other and have breakfast together every morning, you still have to get into that rhythm that a quarterback and a receiver get into. Now, clearly, Darren Waller uh, and Carr have that. Hunter Renfro and Carr have that. But now you have the supporting cast, um, and, and they now have to get into this rhythm with their quarterback. As we know, it's important as the sirens of New York City uh, drown <laughs> out of it there. But uh, – but yeah, so so how do you how do you think of that? Because the preseason isn't like the preseason thirty years ago, where these guys actually play. It's all going to be practice field, and then when you get to game time, we're not going to really see that until week one. Yeah, whenever you talk about the Raiders' offense, the sirens are going to go off. It happened to me in a previous show. <laughs> That's just how it is. That's how hot the Raiders' offense is going to be this year. But 
Uh, getting to the subject at hand, I, you know, with this offense, as I said, there, there are just so many weapons to look at, and I, and I think Josh McDaniels will use that effectively. And I'm not too worried about stagnation. I think the Rays are going to put up a lot, a lot of points this year. Uh, between between Devontae Adams, who we just mentioned, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, the running backs, I, I think the Raiders are are in good hands. So I'm not I'm not too concerned. But Derek Carr has got to be the guy. He's got to be the dealer at at, a, at, a, at the blackjack table. He's got to be able to deal the ball and distribute. And if he does that, they'll be very very hard to defend. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun to watch. And that's I mean that's what camp's all about, right? See these guys compete, especially some of those young bucks. Uh, and some of the the veteran players that they brought in on on free agent deals is to really, see them play a little bit. Really quick comment though, too, about Devonta Adams and Derek Carr and their connection. I'm I'm not too worried about them either because they've been working out in off seasons together. Derek Carr also said his connection with Devonta Adams would be like riding a bike. So I, I have no worries there. But if you look at Derek Carr's history, when Crabtree came along, he immediately clicked with Crabtree. When Mark Cooper was drafted out of Alabama as a rookie. He was effective as a rookie. So those both those guys, I believe, had over 900 receiving yards in their first year as Raiders with Derek Carr. So if those guys can get it over 900 and over 1,000, Devonta Adams should be able to do it too. Is this offense, I know we just we're, we were talking about some of the weaknesses and obviously the strengths here, which which are many, um, but there's a, lot, there's a lot of folks who are, I think, not giving the Raiders a lot of chance to come out of that stacked uh, AFC West. Um, and, and I understand it to a certain degree because you got to prove it out on the field, right? But until that time, uh, what's your what's your take on kind of the national chatter around this team as they head into camp? Here's an interesting take. I, I think a lot of the national writers, and I'm one, I'm a national writer, so I get it. But I think they're carrying over what the Raiders were three, four years ago. It, it almost seems like the national writers are saying, "Yeah, the Raiders got Devontae Adams, they got Chandler Jones." But somehow, some way, they're going to screw it up. And I think when you're not mm. totally plugged into a team and you're not covering a team day to day like I do, then you don't understand that this team has made strides and they're, and they're a different team than they were three, four, five years ago. This is a team that's just not going to crap the bet on themselves, even with the pieces in place. I think with Josh McDaniels being in there and paying attention to details, it's going to help the Raiders get rid of that image that these are the same old bumbling, stumbling Raiders of the, of the past. Yeah, no, I would agree with that, too. And I think it's funny. You had an interaction with with a reader online about Josh McDaniels. What if the Raiders don't make the playoffs, which is a distinct possibility. You just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and your point and his point was, well, do they do they have him walk the plank? And you're like, after a year, like, yeah. is that where we've gotten to? And, and I'm not criticizing the fan. I understand the mm. question. It was a fine question. Yep. But the idea that you're going to bring a guy in who's won six Super Bowls, give him one year and things don't maybe you don't get to the playoffs or don't go as far as you want and you get rid of them. That's been the problem for the Raiders. It's about stability now. Yeah, shout out to the person that sort of who asked that question, because I'm sure he's not the only person who had that question, because right. there's a lot of, within the Raider fan base, there's a lot of hype saying, okay, you brought in stars, Chandler Jones, Devontae Andrews, then Derek Carr, you extend Hunter Renfrew, extend Max Crosby, Denzel Perryman, Darren Waller might get extensions. Okay, so we're in win-now mode. This is a win-now window. What if they're a big disappointment? And it could, as you said, it could happen, because you're in a tough division. But you don't throw the baby in the bathwater out after one year. You you put it together. You at least know you got some great pieces in place. You don't want to go back into a cycle of instability because that's what got the Raiders into a mess in the mid two thousand. So you don't want to you don't want to just have guys in uh, coaching staffs and general managers in and out. You want to provide some stability because that's been the criticism around Derek Carr. Oh, how many coordinators has he had since he's been league? How many head coaches has he had? The Raiders haven't been a stable franchise. Well, after even after a disappointing year. 
you don't throw those guys out. You keep it in place because they do have the pieces in place to succeed. Absolutely. All right. We are going to step aside for our last break. When we come back, Mo and I are going to talk about tight ends. And yes, we know about Darren Waller. But my big question and where I really want to dive, uh, dive deep with Mo is on Foster Moreau. How good can he be? Are we going to find out with more two tight end sets with Josh McDaniel's offense? Does that mean we're going to see more of him? We're going to ask all those questions. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, please. I appreciate that. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, give us a five-star rating. Uh, we also would love you to do that for us, Raider Nation. So thanks for listening. When we come back, tight ends here on Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That way you get it every time we do it. We're going to do it two times a week during the offseason, which is still technically now. Once games start, it's three times a week because we'll have post-game show, including after week one where the Raiders head down to that rented stadium of the, of the Los Angeles Chargers to take on their AFC West foe in an important game in week one. So we're going to do that. So make sure you subscribe. Also, you can head over to our YouTube channel, where we have a YouTube channel. If you want to watch the video uh, and, and see Mo and I with all these words near our head, yeah, you could do it there as well. So check it out. It is youtube.com slash silverblack today uh, where you can subscribe there and be notified when new videos hit YouTube. Appreciate that. All right, we're diving back into Raider football. And now we're going to talk about tight ends. And, and Mo, we will get to Darren Waller in a minute because that would be the natural place to start. But I'm feeling frisky. I'm in Vegas. I'm looking out over the mountains here at Red Rock National Park. So we're going to just do it differently. Um, we're going to start with Foster Moreau. So you talked about in the wide receiver breakdown that if they're having trouble finding that 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 opposite side wide receiver, that wide receiver three uh, outside of, of Devontae Adams and, of course, Hunter Renfro in the slot, um, that they can just go to more two tight end sets when they have to. That would mean Foster Moreau. Foster Moreau has had an injury. He's shown great promise. Um, he's a terrible blocker. Let's just face it. He's been a terrible blocker. He was not a great blocker in college, but he can catch the ball. He's big. He's lumbering. He's athletic. Um, how good, in your view, based on what you've seen, can Foster Moreau be in the Josh McDaniels offense? I think he could be effective. He's, he's been a disappointing blocker on the pro level. Some some analysts may disagree with you and say that at LSU that was his calling card that he he can block for a tight end. No, I just and, probably forgot. <laughs> and his pass catching was lacking, and and yeah. I, I kind of agree with that sense that he he was going to come in and be a blocking tight end in, in, the, in the in the pros and not catch a lot of passes, but it's been the opposite. And his rookie year, I believe he had five touchdown receptions. Torres ACL at the end of that year fell behind Jason Witten under John Gruden. Jason, the, the corpse of Jason Witten, who was on that roster for a year. <laughs> and then kind of was underwhelming last year. Had some bright spots while Waller was hurt, but still didn't didn't fulfill expectations a lot of people thought he would. Now, he may have more opportunities, but I just want to clear out one con one misconception about the Patriots last year. Now, Josh McDaniels has used two tight end sets, don't get me wrong. But last year, 
The Patriots were six fewest as far as two tight end sets, 14%. And they had Janu Smith and they had Hunter Henry. So I don't know what was going on there. Whatever they planned didn't work out because they spent a lot of money on those two tight ends. So I would assume that they wanted to use more two tight end sets, but they just didn't. Again, six fewest. They used more two running back sets, 21 personnel, two running backs on the field. So if it doesn't click this year with Boston Moreau and Darren Waller on the field together, prepare for more uh, two running back sets, 21 personnel, two guys in the backfield. And that's probably why you have a, a crowded running back room. But as far as Boston Moreau, a lot of people think he could be a starter in the league. I think he could be a low-end starter, but we'll see what he does this year because he's going to be a free agent next year if the Raiders don't re-sign him. I don't think he gets a yeah. new contract. I think he'll end up somewhere else, but it's going to depend on what he does on the field as a pass catcher. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I think that there's one of those situations where, yeah, he he's had, he's had the injuries, uh, and then there's other times when they just haven't used him, so you don't really know what he's capable of. And so I think that that becomes an issue for him as well, despite the fact that he obviously has shows the promise on what he has to do there. So, so we'll see now let's jump back of course, to the best uh, tight end on the team. And that of course is Darren Waller. Let me ask you this question straight up and you can give me your answer. Yes, uh, he is, or no, he isn't. And then tell me why. And that is, is Darren Waller the best tight end in football? He's not, he's top three. And I released a piece on Bleacher Report recently, and I had most dominant tight end was Travis Kelsey. Let's be honest. I know this is a Raiders podcast, but if we're being realistic, Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end in the league. Then there's there's a case you have Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, George Kittle. George Kittle gets, gets hurt a little too much for me. So I would go with Darren Waller or Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews was an all-pro last year. Darren Waller, of course, hurt, but two seasons with over 1,100 yards receiving. Has the Raiders, I believe, franchise record in catches at 107 over Tim Brown. So Darren Waller can still be a dominant, a dominant pass catcher. Again, when Devontae Adams draws those double teams, it's going to open up the field with Darren Waller and vice versa. When when teams are game planning for Darren Waller, it's going to open up the field for Devontae Adams. So it definitely goes both ways. And for him to stay healthy, I you know, I, I get in some some uh, discussions with people because I talk about his, his injuries and like, oh, he's only missed so many games. But yes, he hasn't been 100% either when he's been on the field um he's in great shape it's not the situation where you have a guy who's not in keeping in shape it, i think it's 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 a situation where they he got double teamed a lot especially with the raiders with not having a lot of weapons is that going to improve with him now having adams there having renfro now established in the league having a difference in offense will that free that up again so he's not abused as much as he's been yeah definitely as i just mentioned you can't double team everyone uh, somebody's going to have a one-on-one -on -one opportunity, whether it's Renfro, whether it's Adams, whether it's Waller. And you just you just hope that that one of those guys can win their one-on-one -on -one matches, and they've all proven they can do that. So I think Derek Carr has a, has a trust in all of those guys. Again, he going into his third year with with Waller and, and Renfro as top, as top targets. He has a connection with Devonta Adams already established. So I, he's going to trust his pass catchers. He has three guys now who he can trust. And that's why I said this offense is going to be super explosive because Carr has never had a supporting cast as far as pass catches like he has now. Okay, Mo. So we, we talked about obviously the two guys that everyone knows and, and are going to get significant action. But then you look at Jacob Hollister, Jesper Horster. Talk about them, how they might fit into this offense. Who's got an edge there? I, I don't know. With special teams, they, they could very well keep both those guys uh, with four tight ends, which which is possible. Um, what what do you think of those two? Uh, Hollister, I know a little more about and feel comfortable that he's got some skill set that he can jump in and clearly uh, uh, be one of those guys that could that could push and and not only make the roster but contribute significantly. 
Faustel or Horstead, they're they're kind of, I would say, I would say pole opposites, but they're opposites as far as their strengths are concerned. Horstead is more of a blocking tight end, former Chicago Bear, by the way. So I believe Champ Kelly had a little bit to do with him coming over from Chicago to Las Vegas. So I wouldn't count him out. Uh, so he's definitely he's definitely going to be someone to watch out for in that tight end room. But I think Jacob Hollister, who I mentioned briefly in the previous segment, I think he's a guy to watch out for because he was effective as a pass catcher with the Seattle Seahawks for two years, and he also has Patriot ties. So if, if for whatever reason, Foster Moreau is not effective as a pass catcher, then I think Jacob Hollister can kind of sneak in and steal some targets and steal some catches. Uh, that tight end room is going to be ultra competitive after Darren Waller. I wouldn't pencil in uh, Foster Moreau as the number two right away again because of Jacob Hollister's ability to catch the football and Horst's ability to block. Those two guys can also be effective. Yeah, it's going to be a fun competition in camp, I think. I think that's, to me, uh, a lot of fans, I don't think, realize it because they don't focus – on that position because they're so familiar with not only Waller, but of course, <laughs> excuse me, Moreau as well. So I think Hollister, the being there, just a great move by the front office to your point, probably champ Kelly to bring him in. Cause that's going to push everybody in that room. And to me, it's going to make the group better, no matter which uh, guy ends up being the number two uh, in the group there. Mo, we're going to, we're going to talk more about the offense in the next show. We're a little bit, uh, shorter today than a usual 45 minutes. And that's just because I got to hit the airport and get on a plane. Uh, but we're going to talk about quarterback running back and people say, why are you going to talk about quarterback, the backup quarterback position? Who's going to back up Derek Carr is an interesting question. And I know you've talked about it a little bit in some of your writings up on Bleacher Report and of course on sportsnot.com. So we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but this, this, this camp period for the Raiders to me, just like every camp, my biggest concern is not the offensive line, not the defensive backs, not the positions we talked about wide receiver tight end today, but instead it's keeping everybody healthy, right? Because you can derail your season very quickly uh, in that situation. Coming into camp, we talked about the guys that are on the pup list, but everyone else seems to be in good shape and in good spirits. So I would expect this camp to be different, to be a little more difficult than they've had under John Gruden in a much different way. And it's more cerebral. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. And that's why depth is important because if a guy goes down, a guy gets nicked up and another guy can come in, take some reps and he'll possibly see some time on the field during the season. Cause remember 17 game season, 18 weeks, uh, your, your, your backups, your, your third stringer might get some time on the field at some point. So those guys have to be ready. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch that. And again, uh, coming up on the next show, which will be on Tuesday, Mo and I are going to break down quarterbacks. We're going to break down running backs. We'll also talk about what we're hearing out of camp because we'll get reports. We'll find out what's happening in Henderson. Uh, it's going to be 114 here today. So a little bit on the cool side and uh, they'll have to, to keep hydrated out there, but we'll certainly do that. We'll also hear some sound. Of course, we'll bring that to you as well from coaches, players, uh, as well as they roll through camp. All right, Mo, we got another show in the bag, man. Thank you so much for being here again. Appreciate you, Scott. And next week we'll get actually into some nitty-gritty of camp. And as you said, the reports are what's going on. Yes. And um, I think, I by the way, in Las Vegas, I was with our good friend Kelly Kreiner last night. And um, he he wanted to just say that uh, he's 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 got Mo. He's sending Mo a care package, and it apparently it has cheesecake. It has um, some mint chocolate chip ice cream, and it's got oh. some other things. 
Delicious. <laughs> our, our new listeners will, will soon understand what those inside jokes mean, but uh, we're going to bring Kelly on to talk about some fantasy football. That's what he wants to talk about. He's like, hey, he's like, I'm bored. I got to get out and do something. So Kelly used to be on the show here with us, uh, but we're going to bring him back on to talk some fantasy football because Mo is a fantasy football. Aren't you a champion? I'm like a, a eight time fantasy football champion, maybe 10. I, I've been playing fantasy football since 2003, back when Priest Holmes was like the number one overall pick. <laughs> so that tells you how old I am. Yeah, I go back to Eric Dickerson, so I don't want to talk about it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my old my old backside. Uh, but hey, we might even, Mo, I'm thinking we might even do a silver and black today league. So if you're interested in doing a fantasy league with some of us here at Silver and Black today, drop your comments either on the podcast, on the website, or on the YouTube channel. And if we do it, we'll let you know, and you could jump in and have some fun. Uh, and and all, we can all lose to Mo because clearly yes. he he is. Uh, I don't know what, what would you call it. You're the Bill Belichick of fantasy football, or uh, the Bill Parcells, or the uh, I don't know who John Madden. Uh. The Vince Lombardi of fantasy oh, football. Oh, there we go. There Vince you go. Lombardi. There, there you go. go. I love it. So I'm just going to say this really quick. If you yeah. join, if we had this league and you join, you have zero chance of winning. Zero, <laughs> zero chance of winning against me. Just, just putting that out there. See, the trash talk has begun and we haven't even officially done it. That's a good sign. So if you want to jump in, leave your comment. We'll get back to you. And Mo, Kelly, and I, will, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out a way to get it done. And then we'll have some humiliation prize. So whoever... <laughs> Whoever wins gets to humiliate somebody else. Um, most likely will be able to humiliate Kelly because he's just easy to do that to. So we'll talk about that, but we'll have fun. Mo, my partner, thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Talk to you guys next time. All right. For everybody here at Odyssey and at Silver and Black today, I'm Scott Colbranson, my partner Mo Moten, and I thank you for being with us. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you give us a rating wherever you get your podcast. Until next week, until Tuesday, Raider Nation, take care of one another, and we'll talk to you then.